0: Welcome back to Accordion Brat. My name is Pete Contino. This is uh, episode six, part six of my father's story, Dick Contino. Continuing on, he's over in Korea doing that thing. Uh, Yeah, I think I have one more, one, two more episodes after this of his story, and then we'll see where it goes from there. But again, I thank you for tuning in. Hope you're enjoying it. And uh, yeah, let's get right into it. Here we go.
1: So I'm taking, you know, they ordered me to be taking basic training as a rifleman, to be sent wherever. UCOM, FECOM, which was European Command or Far Eastern Command. You know? While I was taking my basic training, to give you an idea, I walked by the This one particular area, they were having, they were putting on a show, and uh, I was always very humble, you know. And I mean, I'm not patting myself on the back. I always had this sense of, you know, not really glorifying. Maybe that's why I was enjoying the success I was too, because I was enjoying it. You know, it was like something out here, like a masquerade. I never felt, I never lived there. Like, wow, you know, what a star I am. so was always, you know, somebody would would say... So I was watching the show, and I said, do you mind if I play a couple numbers on the accordion? Somebody had an accordion there. They wouldn't let me have mine. They wouldn't let me have it. No way. I asked about that, and... No. Definite no. So the guy, said... Yeah. So he said, what's your name? And I said, Dick Cantino," And he goes holy shit you know so I, I played a couple of numbers the guys went crazy well the commander of Fort Ord heard about it That he allowed me to do that volunteer get to play a couple of numbers for the guys he reprimanded all the commanding officers in that area like they committed a crime like they were trying to smuggle in drugs or something well, let me play the accordion that's how severe it was that's how severe it was my commanding officer, get a lieutenant, whatever his name was, he said at one point during my basic training, he said, you know, he says, you're a hell of a guy. He says, I hope when you get your orders you don't go to FECOM, which is Far East, which means normally Korea. He said, I hope they send you to UCOM. You know what I mean? In other words, you're in Europe. There's no fighting going on. You do your time there. Orders came through. FECOM. Came up to you with big, I'm sorry, sorry, continue, you know. So now I was ordered to go to uh, uh, Camp Stoneman outside Monterey. That's where, you know, you got processed to, to take a boat, take a ship over to, uh, first of all, you know, to Japan, to Tokyo, or wherever, uh, in China. Was it Incheon? Well, anyway, I'm thinking I'm getting confusing sometimes. Like I think Incheon's in Korea. That's why. Yeah, I was when I got to Korea, I, I came into Incheon. Uh, I don't know where. I went. I think we went directly to Tokyo. And uh, anyway, I met Camp Stoneman. You know, figure there. But everybody, like I say, they they must have sensed a charisma, a quality that I had. Nobody was out as a rule. There were exceptions. Rare, rare exceptions. But usually it's like, what a nice guy. So, you know, it was like, uh, while I was there, uh, that's when I met Dick Kerr. He was over the air for the Air Force. He was there indefinitely. Now, my commanding officer, Sergeant, he, uh, in spite of, you know, whatever he had heard, my reputation, hey, you're a hell of a guy, right? Okay? So let's party while well, you're waiting to be, you know, shipped out. <laughs> he almost got in trouble. Cause, all right, first of all, he and Dick and myself, we go to these nightclubs at night because he was my commanding uh, officer, so to speak. So I get off the base, you know, he he up the passes. So three of us, we go to a club and I, you know, I'd dig up an accordion somewhere and, I figured. Oh, at one point, one point, Camp Storm when I first got there. I went and I thought, while well, I'm here waiting to be shipped, let me go check out Special Services. You know, so I went there and I figured, well, maybe I'm free of the bullshit now that I'm through with basic training. I'll never forget that. I walked up to the guy's desk, the sergeant there, and I said, "Can I?" uh, do you ever need an MC or a guy that plays the accordion or can sing or would you ever be interested in, in somebody that could you know because i'm here to be shipped out but maybe while i'm here the guy says we well, got enough fingers and everything else he says but uh, you say you play the accordion i said yeah he says do you play like cantina i said well i am Cantino. well he dropped the pencil you know, he said, holy shit, again, you know, Jesus Christ, you're, well, yeah, you know, that's that's you know, that's how that all started while I was there, so, like, wow, maybe I got the bullshit behind me. So, uh, in the meantime, that's how I knew this, money they assigned me, waiting to be shipped out, this other sergeant, Dick Kerr, we go to these clubs, we get drunk, man, we'd party, and then at night, so that I, you know, maybe get detained by being shipped out, he'd tell me to go sack out in the other barracks, which were, uh, uh isolated, you know, so I get some sleep. And I'd be in the area, you know, but not to, uh, you know, whenever they get over. So try to not be seen, so to speak, because nobody's in a hurry to see me want to leave, you know. So uh, this went on for days, until one morning, you know, I, I, I'm sleeping or trying to sleep, had a few drinks, and I hear conversation, the pitter patter of little feet the voice say soldier i hope my eyes are about three officers what's your name Contino. well my orders came down in about 2 days i was assigned to the uss gordon heading for tokyo i still you know what I almost jumped ship again. This time as a, as a soldier. Again, it was Dick Kerr that helped me. I thought I can't do it. You know. I said I'm not going to do it. So he called up my mom and dad, and they, wow, they. they he, he says he's going to do it again. He's going to leave it, and, and they came to San Francisco to my uh, uncle Angelo and Alina's house. What are you doing? I said, I think I can do it. I think I can do it. So Dick says, you got it. you know. this time I wasn't so panicky. I thought, well, maybe I can. Maybe, maybe you'll be all right. You'll be all right, you know. That's when a strange thing happened. I got there and as I walked up the gangplank to get on the ship, once they pulled up that gangplank, strange thing. I felt like king shit. I felt like John Wayne, all these guys wrapped in the one. Yeah. Felt pretty strong, you know. Hey, it's not going to be bad. So maybe again, that's what I needed, you know. I, okay, I'm on. They pulled up the gas. I didn't think, you know, how that works. I was just grateful. So I got over to Japan. Now we're on the plane, on the train. We're going to wherever. We go off the ship. Somebody's got a little accordion. Hey, I left the plane behind me in in, in, uh, in, in in the States in Fort Ord. Uh-uh, baby. Uh-uh. I get the accord and I start playing and we're singing like in the movies. We're singing songs. Here I am, whatever I was, 21 years old, you know. I get through playing Ramos where we're going to be going. This one cadre calls it, his corporal, says, are you Contino? And I says, yeah. He says, your ass has had it. Ass has had it. What do I do now? Run across the water? Take the next plane out of Tokyo? What do they mean by your ass has had it? What are they going to do? What are they going to do? So I, uh, I got to where I was going. You know, I just tried to relax. It wasn't panicky. It was not panicky. i wanted to be what they call pipeline. I didn't know my MOS was rifleman. So any chance I had, as far as I remember, it was a party, you know, at the NCO club or something, any kind of enlisted man's club, I'd go. They were probably my heaviest drinking days, or some of those days. So, you know, I just everybody had an accordion laying around, I'd play it, you know, sing or do something, have, hey, party time, let's, you know. So, you know, sometimes the, the, uh, the sergeants, you know, they they say, hey, hey, Cantina, we're having a party over here, and, and we'd grab an accordion. I would come down and, you know, play a few tunes. Yeah, let's go. You guys gonna have booze and stuff? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. You know, was that kind of attitude? All of a sudden, like my uh, my John Wayne, so to speak, uh, the image, my attitude was not going to be wasn't being so tarnished. wasn't so tarnished. I, I was away from home. I was okay. I wasn't throwing myself on the ground. I wasn't going insane. Anyway, to make a long story short, those kind of nights going on. and At one point, this top kick, he called him, staff sergeant. Every night I stay was ma- master sergeant. Master sergeant. He says, you know something, Cantino? You know, I got to tell you something. You know, we're having a couple of drinks here. He says, you know, he says, you know who really runs this fucking army? The NCO. Forget the brass, man. Forget the brass. The NCO run the fucking army. He says, you're a hell of a guy. Again, you're a hell of a guy. We're going to, you know, you got, he says, you got to get out of here. He says, you, it, it's right, right, all the way down from General Mark Clark's headquarters. You cannot stay in Tokyo. I was hoping maybe a miracle they'd keep me in Tokyo. You know, instead of sending me to Korea where they were fighting all that shit. He says, you can't, you're not going to be staying here, but I'll tell you what. We're going to cut your orders. Forget your MOS's rifleman. We're cutting your orders to be sent to special services in, in Seoul. Well, that was like saying so you're going. We're going to assign you to the Waldorf Astoria in downtown New York. You know, everything relative. And he says, "You're kidding." I thought, "Could he be? Could he be? You know, serious?" Well, this one early morning, still dark, with it, calling out, "All the guys are going to be assigned. So and so, such and such a battalion, such and such division, blah blah. So and so, such such a battalion, isn't it?" And I knew they were going down. The, I certainly mentioned Special Service a couple of times. My name wasn't mentioned. Oh my god. I waited, waited. Finally, uh Tenth Special Service, uh, Seoul Korea. Contino, Richard J. Well I start crying. You know, I I I, I as soon as I could I got to a phone. They call long distance and call my folks so they wouldn't worry. They were if I was to go over there, you know, and be shot to shoot and be shot at. Oh Ma, Dad, listen. Special services, special services. I'm not going to have to carry a rifle. I can play the accordion, entertain. I'll be in Seoul, I'll be in Korea, but I'll be okay. I got on the ship. to go to Korea. Boy, that's where I went into Incheon. A guy named Vic Tiberi, Vic Tiberi. There we became friends for years. He's very outspoken, typical, great character, great character. I think he ran that whole special service thing without even having a, without even being a, a lieutenant, you know. Anyway, he, he picks me up in a Jeep. His first words were to me, you're Contino, right? I says, yeah. He says, whatever you do, don't fuck up. I says, fuck up. I start laughing, you know. He says, because they're laying for you. You fuck up one time, they're going to send you to a front-line outfit with with your MOS as a rifleman. They're waiting for you to fuck up. I said, oh, my God. Well... I nearly felt a sense of uh, freedom um, uh, from, you know, from the fear of, uh, I don't know, just, for one thing, it wasn't like basic training, you know, it was, we were in an outfit there where it seemed like, frankly, Vic Berry was, <laughs> he symbolized, uh, like between himself and maybe one or two of the other guys, they kind of ran that outfit, even though there was a Captain Conrad. You know, he's a real nice guy, Captain Conrad. But, you know, whereas you're taught in basic training, for example, you know that you uh, report to, to uh, the command post, you salute the captain or lieutenant, whoever the commanding officer is. Everything is very protocol, you know. But not in this case. <laughs> <Dick> would. <went, laughs> He sometimes would storm into the command post there in his shorts, with it with no hat on. He would even salute the captain. He'd say, "What is all this shit?" <laughs> That's the way he talked. You know, he was, we're supposed to do fucking shows, and they're harassing us. They're doing this. this, this well, Vic, take it easy, you know the captain. <laughs> it was great. It was like a like a mash thing, you know, a H- mash hospital thing, you know. So. Oh, man, it was like, uh, between Vic, like I say, Lou Tully, Lou Tullianello, and Danny Fitzgerald, all these guys. Ah, we'd, we'd go out and entertain, you know, do shows and stuff, and drink. Because we were special services, we had access to the, you know, movies they had sent over. (coughs) So it was like it was like a party thing, you know. I had uh, difficulty writing uh, home to to my folks, you know, and as if uh, maybe they thought I was just saying it, you know. I was trying to convince them that, hey, I'm fine, you know. This is great. I'm not walking around with a weapon looking for somebody to shoot at or be shot at, you know. Although you had that in the back of your head because, you know, you, you'd sometimes wonder if somebody say, hey, they uh, they might say, well. They, uh, there's some snipers in this area here there, wherever we might be entertaining so uh, but you know 98% of the time we just we just you know we just did shows and stuff and uh, partied that way and hear guys tell their stories about their wives or girlfriends or, see I wasn't I wasn't going with anybody at that time and I tell you what, there's a part of me that's really grateful because, you know, guys would get uh, dead John's they call them, from either their wife, maybe their wives or girlfriends, you know, like, and they wouldn't let they wouldn't let a guy go home if like you know he could be just as busted up as if somebody had died, but unless somebody died, they wouldn't uh, let you come home, you know. So they had to sweat it out there. Who so would threaten to commit suicide, or, you know, then end up just laughing it off or getting drunk. Or I'm trying to think of any particular anecdote there, but overall, the whole thing was an anecdote. The whole thing was... It went on for a while, but lurking, I guess, was this thing about the beef, the Army beef, because... We were at this building in Seoul, and there was a, uh, an engineer outfit, uh, you know, uh, below us there. And he, I guess word got out that Contino was intense special, you know, with the same building. Well, you'd be surprised how, even being in Korea, you know, like Vic Berry would say sometimes, you know. He was, a, he was a great character, great character out of Chicago. We became later became great friends. and He and Tommy Amato and myself. So, anyway, when Vic, uh, when somebody'd say, hey, you know, you shouldn't be doing this and shouldn't be doing that, an officer would reprimand him. He'd say, what the fuck are you going to do? Send me to Korea? You know, he always had that cliche ready. Uh, you'd be surprised, the people who. Here I was in Korea, but. Not carrying a rifle, not having an arm blown off, or they're never satisfied. This, this resentment thing in some people's minds, you know, like here's the guy that tried to beat the army, you know, and that type of thing. So uh, one day, yeah, you know, we're having fun. We're going different outfits to play in the Seoul area. Seoul, Korea area, you know. Um, Captain Conrad uh, came to me and he says, I'm getting a lot of pressure. He says, I'm getting a lot of pressure because you're in 10th special. He says, uh, I like you. He says, here. You know, he, he, he thought I was of a, a great character. He didn't want to, see. says, because there are a lot of people, he said, who would like nothing better than to uh, have me transfer you over to a, uh, a fighting outfit with your original MOS uh, as a rifleman. So uh, he says, You know, they probably see you around here and think you really got it knocked. So maybe he said, I'll do something unusual. I can do it. He says, he says, I want you to take about seven or eight guys, get a uh, three-quarter ton truck, get a Jeep, your instruments, whatever. I'll cut your orders that'll read TDY, temporary duty, anywhere in Korea. He says, just take off. He says, let me know you're still here, you know. But take off, your orders are entirely to you to just travel wherever you want, to entertain different outfits. You can even, uh, if, you can, if you can hitchhike a, a flight, you know, a plane ride, whatever, with, with whatever outfit going down to Pusan, Pagan, you know, any different cities in, in Korea, go to the different outfits, drive, whatever. Check in about every month or so, six weeks, let me know you're still here. So I did. I was, it was like, a, you know, like a garrison's guerrillas type of uh, format. So I picked out about, oh, six, seven, eight guys. I'll tell you what, that's when the fun really began. That's when the fun really began. Because didn't have, have to answer to a, a, a commanding officer. You know, I mean, that's why as we go to these different outfits. They would, uh, they'd never try to, you know, uh, get us up uh, in the morning, you know, like, they thought we were USO. You know, because if anybody had any stripes, like, you know, PFC, corporal, whatever, we didn't wear them. So everybody thought, well, these guys must—and then if anybody would question, you know, uh, i just show them, what, that, are you soldiers are you USO? I'd show them, you know, that uh, we had orders out of 10th special, TDY anywhere in Korea. Sometimes, you know, an officer would walk in and say, what the fuck are you soldiers doing? And we're not soldiers, we're USO. Leave us alone, you know. We sleep in. We stay up all night watching movies, you know, getting drunk, eating whatever food we get a hold of. And different outfit about every week or so, or every other day here. Whatever we wanted to do, we just ran the whole thing. It was quite a thing. Great experience. Uh, in particular because we would, you know, we just we would just make contact with an altitude. We knew we might be nearby. And, hey, you guys want a show? Type of thing. Okay, we'll send a we'll send a, uh, a truck out after you to help you with equipment and so forth. Well, they came to pick us up. Hey, and uh, picturing the whole thing right now. We were going uh, to this outfit and I guess I guess I know. The driver took a wrong turn off or road. And uh seemed like it was pretty barren. Seemed like there were still uh, holes in the ground, or maybe an outfit had been. Unbeknownst to all of us, we actually what they call we were in actually we were in no man's land. They call that meaning uh, the uh, North Koreans Chinese main line of resistance say it was to the front of us and our main line of resistance was to the back of us and we were kind of driving around in no man's land We're, you know uh, totally vulnerable but not knowing it. So they were in the series it wasn't a three quarter ton the a bigger truck we went in their, their truck it was a larger one. I forget the name of the vehicle, and uh, we begin to hear explosions around us, you know, like, so Lou Tellinello, Lou Tellinello was sitting across from me, and then, you know, whenever you traveled, uh, in one of those trucks, the rules were, you couldn't travel in a truck that was covered. In case you had to evacuate immediately. So I shouted out to him, and it was cold. I says, Lou, is that, is that in, incoming or outgoing? Meaning, uh, are we shooting at somebody or is somebody shooting at us or shooting at one of the outfits near us? He says, the uh, man's got to be outgoing, you know. And all, just at, just about that time, a shell landed by us. I could, I could hear the fragments whistling. So immediately we stopped. The guy stopped. We, we ran off the truck. There was a ditch nearby, and we all of covered in that ditch. Shells were coming in all around us. Kenny, one of the guys who played guitar, he kept yelling, there's a cave over there. There's an opening. Let's let's make, go to that cave. Let's run to that cave. For some reason, I just I just took over. I didn't plan it. I guess I was uh, in command that way, where there was no commanding officer, but it was my show. Still called the Dick and Tino show. I guess so I kept, For some reason, I says no. Stay down. Stay down. You know. <clears throat> Right about that time, a shell lands right at the mouth of the cave. So, we're scared. You know, are they zeroing in? You know. I, we got glanced up, there was a three quarter ton truck coming in our direction. I guess somebody had gone into that area and they were trying to. And this guy was driving like a bat out of hell. And we're waving, he's approaching us, we're waving our arms. You could tell he wasn't about to stop. He was justifiably uh, panicky. So here I go, you know. I, uh, inspired, get up out of the ditch and throw myself in front of on on the road. You know, it's just one of those things. And he had to stop or run over me. And he started calling me all kinds of names. As I got up, while I, was, while I was down and he had stopped stopped the vehicle everybody started uh-huh. piling on the onto the truck you know and uh, they got on except one guy because his name he was of Greek uh, descent funny a funny guy but he uh, he did comedy in the show or what but he, he was running after as the guy took off He's running after the truck, and uh, we're reaching out, you know, to grab him. Shell lands nearby and hit it. A fragment, a thing, hits him in the chin. It wasn't bad, but it was enough to give him a purple heart. And he had what they called a million-dollar wound. He was able to be sent home. And I remember thinking, Wow, why couldn't I couldn't have gotten that. Well, you know, you, you know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't serious. And I thought any kind of a, an injury, you know, due to. Uh, all the on the truck—we got back to this one out, but everybody was quite shaken. Immediately started hitting the booze and thinking about all that could have happened. But uh, we found ourselves entertaining at what they called all the way down the battalion level. And, uh, and when you're in that entertaining at that level, you're always vulnerable to any possible uh, firepower. You're apprehensive, but I guess everybody's that way, you know, so everybody knows it and they just try to have fun the best they could. As a matter of fact, one other little anecdote, my uh, first cousin, the Victor Antonino, to this day hasn't forgotten it. Well by this time, you know time as time goes on, uh, they realize, I think, or whatever they realized, they decided to disband 10th Special Services and uh, reassign uh, the different entertainers or whatever musicians to uh, different outfits, other outfits. Well, I was ass- I was assigned to an outfit called Ninth Corps, Ninth Corps Rest Center. Uh, the Korean War was coming to an end at that time. So there were no pressures that way, and uh, but nevertheless they were still fighting. There was still fighting going on. My uh, cousin Victor Antonino was coming over. I got a letter from my mother, who said Aunt Nellie, his mother, was very worried about him because he was in a, a uh, an outfit which was very would be very vulnerable uh, mortar mortar outfit you know usually the enemy they try to knock out these mortar positions one of the first priorities he said could you do anything to to help him i thought what could i do well by this time you know i was uh at ninth core with all the musicians and stuff i was like dicky and the mob and the mob you know i uh, we were having a great time and this captain a lieutenant rather this lieutenant noel k-n-o-l-l He was quite a guy. And he kind of let me run things that way. He promoted me from uh, PFC to corporal. And uh, so I thought, what can I do? Well, I got together with the other guys in the show, and I says, you know, I got a cousin coming over, you know, blah, 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 blah. He's kind of a funny guy. He's a funny guy. He's got a great natural delivery. I says, says, why don't we... uh, why don't we get together and we'll do We'll put an act together? And I'll go to the uh, the uh, Lieutenant Noll and uh, make a plea that, uh, why is this guy in a mortar house? He's a very, he's an entertainer. We work together, you know, in the States and things like that. Okay, so I so I went to, well, I got to lose, you know. You're, you're there. It's funny, a whole different personality took over, it was like, I felt like I, you know, wherever I, I never abused it. I would, you know, I didn't think I was abusing anything. I just would say, hey, yeah, all right, let's try this. What about that? You know, I was, I was very sweatshop, as they say in Italian, you know, in a nice way. So I went to Lieutenant Knoll and I said, uh, Lieutenant, there's a guy, and he's actually a, kind of a cousin of mine. And I said, I don't understand. He says, I said, we work together in the States. He's a very funny guy. He does comedy, but they got him assigned to a mortar outfit, and I think he'd be fantastic in our show here. So he says, "Really?" He says, "Well, let me cut you some orders. Grab a jeep, go up this outfit, and bring him down." I said, "Holy shit!" You know. Now, for some reason, my phobias—forget about. It. They're out the window. I mean, right? You know. I mean, to get in a jeep by myself, drive through areas that are isolated. But I knew where I was going. I didn't think, well, I'm by myself. Uh, I feel alone. Weird. I think I got a thought about that. Hope I don't forget it when I come back. So uh, I went up there and I said, "I checked the you know, he's supposed to be Victor Antonino. Yeah, blah blah blah." I went to his commanding officer. I said, "I have orders." gear cut to, uh, for uh, Private Antonino to come with me down to the Ninth Corps Rest Center. He said, oh, yeah, he checked it over. Okay, he says, tell him to get his gear and go with you. So I, <laughs> I went to Vic. I says, uh, you told him a story. Vic, come on. He says, well, I'm not in the show. I said, never mind. I said, the guys will put an act together. You're, you're funny. You know, bring you down. Get you out of here. They were still fighting, you know. At that moment, they weren't, but firepower would go, you know, start and stop. Even though uh, everybody suspected that the war was coming to a close, they were still fighting. So I said, uh, okay. So we jumped in the jeep. And we went down there. He said, I can't believe this. I said, yeah. And we got there. and Hey, hey guys, Vic, my cousin Vic. So we're sitting down. We took our sweet time, you know we sit around, drink, have a great time, you know. Okay, this is where we'll open the show. We'll do this, we'll do that. You say this. I'll, you know, I'd be the straight man. <laughs> it's really funny. So, uh, you know, we're taking our time. Well, kind of Lieutenant Noel was very easy going, you know. He, he kind of, you know, just, but even though he was easy going, he, you know, at one point, he, take come up to me and he says when are you going to put this uh, this comedian you, you know he's supposed to be a cousin of yours uh, but when are you going to put him in the show and I said oh shit I said well anytime now lieutenant where you know by the way this lieutenant no, he liked, the, you know when when it was off duty time you know and we're, we're partying around and we're drinking and watching movies or whatever, he would uh he liked to party with us, see? so sitting, And partying just meant getting drunk and talking about things in the States, wives, girlfriends, and mother, mothers and fathers and plans and ideas. So, uh, but the reason I brought it up is because uh, when we're sitting around drinking, partying, it's, I'd say, that's right, Lieutenant. He'd say. says, don't call me Lieutenant. He says, call me what my friends call me. Lucky, lucky, see? I says, okay. Okay, Lucky. You know, <laughs> hey, Lucky, hey, what do you say, Lucky? It's <laughs> but the next morning, invariably, every time, every time I go down to the command post for any reason, I'd walk in thinking, hey, my buddy's the commanding officer. And I'd walk into the command post and say, hey, Lucky, how you doing? <laughs> say, what's this Lucky shit? And, oh, my God, here we go, you know. Okay, Lieutenant, stand direct, salute him. You know, next night, night after again, we're having a few drinks. Yeah, Lieutenant, no, lucky. Okay, lucky, next morning, what's this lucky shit? So I played the game. You know, it was fun. One of the times when we were up there, I'll tell you, sometimes something takes over. I'm not trying to paint a false picture here. This is very, very true. This really happened just popped into my head. Where, where, where ninth Corps Special was, was down like in a valley. Uh, my my tent, there was about, uh, they had different tents up at the top of the hill. There were about six, seven guys in that tent. Next tent over, six, seven, eight guys, whatever. Bunks, you know. Cots. There were cots, really. Enough. So, uh, we were partying one night. And uh, all of a sudden, a guy barges into my tent, and he says, he's he's going crazy, he's going crazy, he's got a, he's got a, um, it was a rifle with rapid fire, I forget the name of it, Uh, it almost comes to me, but it was a a rapid fire weapon, Uh, you know, he's he's got this weapon, and he's threatening to, to shoot everybody. It's one of those weird things. Instead of reacting that way, maybe just a couple of drinks or for some reason, you know, just at that moment, things sometimes happen. I went in there, and uh, everybody's standing up like frightened. And I knew the guy really well. I knew him well. We, we laughed together and stuff. Maybe that was part of my, quote, courage. I don't know. But uh, I walked in, and he looked at me. And he's crying. He says, "I'm gonna kill every motherfucker in this tent." You know, in this type of thing, he, in the chow line, he would uh, he'd be serving the food, and uh, you know, sometimes you get some guys. They want another pancake, or they want this, and he was saying things like, "I'm gonna give him every motherfucker any many many pancakes." He's saying things don't make sense. I guess he's drunk or whatever. Well, I stood there, and everybody knew what the hell he might do. And I just looked at him. I said, "Give me the gun." <laughs> get <laughs> the truth. And he just kept talking. I walked closer to him. It was like a fucking movie, you know. I, I said, just give me the gun. And uh, as I walked closer, he started dropping the weapon. Well, I didn't all of a sudden reach for it. I just kind of took it from him, took it, and I says, you'll be all right, you know. Come on, man, you'll be all right. And it was that kind of a conversation. And that passed. It's one of those things. He could have just shot everybody. But it turned out that way. Just... Another little anecdote here. Where sometimes I get pretty hard up, you know, because I was very particular. I was particular. Had the time, you know, I think I don't want to catch a... Those days, all you worry about was syphilis or gonorrhea huh? or maybe getting somebody pregnant and I wasn't going with anybody. But so I was particular, you know, in, in a way. But it was that kind of a thing, you know. I, I couldn't, uh, there was no big strain, you know. I mean, half the time, you know, you just, I mean, I, I, I felt at the time that, uh, you know, it gave me more, more of a peaceful mind to masturbate than, to, you know, go around wielding a sword if I was capable of it, to, uh, you know, uh, every, uh, I, think, I don't know what it is, you know, so, so much for that. But I, I wasn't, I was, you know, tormented because I wasn't getting laid. I, there was enough activity, finding a nurse here, a USO show there. You know, I love, especially love the USO shows, they come over. Are you, Dick, you know, you know that type of thing uh, they look halfway decent and usually they were of course I was only what 23 years old and usually they were what 19, 20 so if they looked anything you know maybe a little heavy or a little bit this way that way they finally stopped shooting over there they, they came to a came to a close and everybody's talking about rotating home and uh what what would be required to rotate home? Well I I, I thought, wow, I, I I've been a man without an outfit all these months. Maybe am I supposed to stay here the rest of the all of a sudden a little anxiety started creeping in, a little fear. How do I get back? How do you have an outfit? How who do I command, who do I report to, the Lieutenant and old He he went all the way and had me uh, promoted to staff sergeant. He thought I was such a leader. At one time he we're having a few drinks, he was he was crying to me. He says, "I wish, for some reason, I wish, I, I wish I was half the man I, I, as you are." You know, he was talking like that. He says, "Well, I had nothing but respect for you, and he knew that I was, we're about to be, everybody's about to be going home or whatever." Well, oh, thanks, Lieutenant. You know, I haven't seen him ever since. But it's when he said, "I'm putting you in for uh, staff sergeant," I said, are "You kidding?" I said, "Wow!" And uh, jokingly, I said, "What are you trying to get me to re-up?" You know, and he, we laughed about it. I said, oh, that's just good. He means well, but that'll never happen. Well, sure enough, about a week later, uh, they had a huge loudspeaker, like in MASH, you know. And it said, well, Sergeant Richard Contino, report to the CP. I went, wow. Everybody's going, oh, so all the guys give me a bad time, because in the mess hall, the, uh, the difference, the NCOs are non-commissioned. Uh, you know, or just privates, whatever, they eat in one section, the sergeants would eat in another. So that meant, automatically, I had to eat in another uh, part of the mess hall. And I got the raspberry about that, which was fun, you know. Anyway, back to that story about being, I contacted uh, my original uh, Captain Conrad, uh, my original commanding officer, and, and I was able to find out how to uh, uh, add up all the points you get so many points for every month you're there where to turn that in well I had been there going on 16 months so uh, it entitled me to rotate I thought wow it's hard to believe I'm going home it's like you know what I mean it's like I I totally wrapped myself up in Korea and in the outfits I played and things and fun and all the partying and stuff It was like, this is where I am, this is where I exist. I'm going to make the absolute best of it. You just, you think that way automatically. But all of a sudden, you know, uh, that dream is kind of shattered. And you go, wait, the reality is, is home, you know, the reality is there. And will I get there or do I stay here forever? You know, these thoughts, anxieties want to creep in. Well, to make a long story short, even when I got it was like I was leaving McNeil Island again. Even when I got my orders cut that I was going to be rotating home, uh, the first part of January of that year, which would be uh, January of 54, that uh, I went, wow, maybe the last minute to say, wait, some of these points don't count. You know you get paranoid. Some of these points don't count. There's neither guy that cook the chickens at McNeil Island, you know, any reason to detain you, you know. I'd write home, I'm going to be leaving here in January, I'm going, oh my God, am I really leaving here in January? You know, that type of thing. Well, that's there. And the whole time I was there, I was, I was told directly, that even though, like the time of the, the uh, shelling incident, and uh, the Stars and Stripes, the official newspaper over there, they were instructed specifically not to write anything about Cantino, anything, my heroics, the fact I was a staff sergeant, whatever, any of these things were not to be printed. It was specific orders. In fact, when I did leave, there was a little note, a very one-liner at the bottom of one of the pages says uh dick and is rotating home from korea very small print
0: Uh, yeah pretty wild okay that's gonna do it for this week back here closing up we got a couple more episodes on my dad's story and then we'll go in some other direction still not sure where that direction's gonna be but hey i'm having too much of a good time all right, I'll see you next week. Bye.